Welcome to Ghost of a Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Lignato. I'm an astrologer, psychic medium, and animal communicator, and I'm going to give you your weekly horoscope and no bullshit mystical advice for living your very best life. If you know me, you know that I'm not super into Valentine's Day because I really think that love is an inside job. And how we relate to our relationships is something to be centered throughout the year. And also, it's a super capitalistic holiday. You know, it's all this pressure to buy stuff and showboat your love. But, you know, all that said, I did just write a book about relationships, which isn't just about love relationships. It's also about friendships and platonic love and hooking up and all kinds of other fun things. But it is around V-Day, and I figured for the next couple of weeks, I will focus on the theme of love and like. And I'm going to start off with a really important question from Doomed in Love. She asks, I've had a couple people see my chart and kind of wince. They tell me my Mars and Venus are both in bad positions and that I have an empty seventh house. I have trouble with being very hot and cold in relationships. I've been working hard to be the best that I can be and always try to see my chart as a guide to do that. But right now, I'm just feeling really defeated. I also have a bit of trouble not taking people's opinions personally sometimes. Any advice for this hopeful romantic? And doomed in love's birthday. And I I mean, let me rename you right away because you're not doomed in love. Let's just say looking for love. Looking for love's birthday is August 31st, 1992 at 6.27 a.m. in Torrance, California. So looking for love, if I may rename you that. There's so many things I want to say about this. But the first thing is, I am not a hopeless romantic myself, and I do not believe that everyone gets love and like and health and wealth in this lifetime. It would be absolutely wonderful if that was true. But if we look around the world, we see nothing but evidence that that's not the case, right? So I'm not a Pollyanna, and I'm not going to tell you that everything is easy, and of course you'll find love. Or even if I do say that as as I unpack your chart, it's not because I think that's true for everyone. And that's a tough thing, right? If you want something, if you truly want something and you investigate that desire and you find that that desire comes from a healthy and whole place within you, it's really hard if you can't get it. However, I don't think that's the case for you. So let me start off with the setup of your question. First of all, you name that people look at your chart and wince and they say you have a poorly placed Venus and Mars. I would not see that at all. That's not how I see your birth chart at all. You have Venus at 29 degrees and 51 minutes of Virgo in the first house. I love Venus and Virgo. Venus and Virgo, the first thought I always have when I see that is feminist. I am a big believer that when we're looking at something as complicated as love, you know, partnership, we need to look beyond just planetary placements. That said, understanding the value and the meaning of planetary placements is the foundation that we need to build up from as we use astrology, which is why, you know, when I wrote my book, I focused just on the planet's and their placement in sign and house, because that is the foundation that you need to really deeply understand before you can get all fancy with predicting whether or not you'll be lonely forever, (laughs) okay? So when we look at something like Venus in Virgo, according to me, your astrology bestie, 
I hope. Venus and Virgo is just very freaking feminist. It's very critical and analytic and discerning. Venus and Virgo hates to fuck around. And, you know, if you read an old school astrology text or if you talk to a different kind of a person with different values, they may see that as an unlucky thing or a bad thing for love. I see that as a great thing. That's what I want to encourage you to have is uh, discernment when it comes to how you relate to other people, how you relate to yourself in relationship to other people, and even your values in general. Now, additionally, you've got Venus at 29 degrees and 51 minutes of the sign. So when we have planets at the last degree, it makes the planet stronger. It doesn't make it weaker. It doesn't make it bad at all. And I would say that having Mars at the top of the chart in Gemini it's also incredibly strong. I, I really, you know, I look at your Venus and Mars and I don't have any concern about them being poorly placed. I would say that having Mars in the 10th house is excellent for being clear about who you are and being ambitious. Now, there may be some really great astrological reason that some different kind of astrologer is going to tell you about why these planets and these signs or these houses is not good for you but I am not the one. In fact, what I'm going to say is that what may be difficult for you in terms of finding your voice and trusting yourself and balancing your desire for diplomacy, Venus, with your need to be assertive and be seen and validated, Mars, I actually think that's positively reinforced by the fact that we're talking about those two planets being in the sign of Gemini, Mars is in Gemini, and Virgo, Venus is in Virgo. Because your ability to uh, sort through data and figure things out and then find a way to communicate it, it takes a bit of time. It certainly takes energy from you, but it's within your wheelhouse of what you can do. The question is, will you give yourself permission? So before I get really going on your chart, I want to speak to the other part of your question. Uh, well, there's a couple other parts of your question, but the other part of the astrology of your question, which is not having any planets in the seventh house. Now, I, I think I've talked about this on the show before. I imagine I'm going to have to mention it again. When you look at a birth chart, it is not common to see planets in every single house of the chart. When you see what looks like an empty house, in other words, uh, the houses, they look like slices of pie. When you see an empty slice of that pie in your birth chart, it is easy to be like, oh, I'm schwa. It's empty. I am empty. I will have nothing there. But that's absolutely not what it means. Not at all. Not having a planet in a house does not mean you do not have activity or good fortune in that house at all. It just means you don't have planets in that house. That's it. That's all it means. So simple. So what we do, and this is something I touch on in the book, but what you do when you see an empty house is you look at the sign on the house cusp. So in your case, you have the sign Pisces at seven degrees and 36 minutes on your seventh house cusp. The sign Pisces is ruled by the planet Neptune. Every sign is ruled by a planet. So you look to the ruling planet of that sign to get further data about your seventh house. It's not visibly written in the house that there is a ruling planet, but girl, there is. So when I look for Neptune in your birth chart, Neptune's sitting in the fifth house, the house of play and hooking up and sex. That's not so bad, is it? No, it's not. It's not. And when I look at Neptune, it is sitting on top of Uranus, but it's not harshly aspected. There are some lovely aspects 
between Neptune and Jupiter and even your sun. So there's positive indications here. But I'll get to the downside in just a moment. Before I do, I want to say that, listen, astrologers are people too. Astrologers are people too. And I don't have a great game face because I got planets in the first house myself. And so sometimes I see things in people's charts and I'm like, yikes. But, you know, when you see somebody saying yikes, it can be about any number of things and maybe specifically not about what you're most scared of. You might be seeing your astrologer friends or, or your astrologers wincing because they don't know how to interpret it effectively or wincing because their ex-girlfriend has it. You don't know why they're wincing is what I'm trying to say, right? Astrologers are people too. So I want to encourage you to just hold that in context. And the other thing I want to say is anyone who tells you that because of a single planet's placement, you are going to have, uh, you know, never have love or never have health, or never have success, I would encourage you to be somewhat or somewhat to very critical of that astrologer, okay? Because we are not just our parts. We, we are the sum of our parts. We are the synthesis of our pieces. We are not just our pieces. And so when an astrologer or an astrology student is first learning astrology, if they're doing it right, then they're focused and fixated on the parts. You have to be. It's the only way to learn astrology. And learning astrology takes many years, right? But it's the only way. So what can happen is we overfocus as astrologers on the parts without having the skills yet to synthesize what all the parts come together to mean. And that's just normal. But also, if you know that you've got a bunch of planets in Virgo and you're, you can be a little neurotic, don't get readings from people who are not able to do the synthesis piece because maybe your brain can't take it. That's fair. You know, we're all allowed to have our things. My dear, all of that said, let me break down love in your birth chart. So back to that Neptune. Neptune in the fifth house as well as Uranus in the fifth house inclines you to kind of have a hot and cold relationship to your sexuality, to your feelings, your physical feelings, your enthusiasm for sex. So you name that you've had hot and cold relationships. And I wonder if some of that is because you've actually, you have a hot and cold relationship to your interest in sex. And so if you're not comfortable owning that, naming that and communicating that to people, you might pull back or shut down with lovers. Or you might attract people who they themselves are not really available. And this is actually something called the projected form of the birth chart. When we don't own our shit, we tend to unconsciously project it out so that we attract people that will generate experiences that force us to experience our birth chart one way or another. It's complicated. So having Neptune and Uranus in the fifth means that for you, sex is something that is really energetically demanding. It requires a lot of you. And then every once in a while, it can just be something like fun that you like jump into and you don't really have to overthink and it doesn't necessarily wrap up your whole heart. But the reality is it's a little bit surprising even to you how those cycles play out, right? Now, another thing is that having Pisces on the seventh house cusp indicates, and, and I should say that anyone who has a Virgo rising has Pisces on the seventh house cusp. What this indicates is that you have a somewhat devotional way of liking and loving. You may have a tendency to idealize people, and that's not bad or good, but it can get you into trouble when you start to see the reality of who they are and the reality of what exists between the two of you. 
And so things may start really passionate or idealistic or romantic. And then kind of peter as reality sets in. And when reality sets in, what comes to pass is your sun and rising and Jupiter in Virgo starts to get very contabulation-y. I just made that word up. Uh, But you start to analyze and sort through data and try to make sense of what you did and what you didn't do. And if it was your fault or if it wasn't your fault, there's a lot of analysis, whether they're good, bad, better. Virgo has a tendency to sort through heaps and heaps of data and to forget to pull back and do the synthesis part. The synthesis part is a really big part, my friend. It's a very big part. Now, on top of that, you have a Pluto square to Mercury in your birth chart. You have Mercury in the 12th and Pluto is in the third. What this can do is give you a really compulsive style of thinking. You can find yourself looping on things, just returning and returning and returning to them, or kind of fashioning yourself as a as a modern-day Matlock or perhaps a Sherlock Holmes. You know, you can find yourself caught up in trying to sleuth things out as opposed to taking a step back and figuring out what you want to get out of that situation. What is it that you're really trying to do? There's a way that you can compile data as a way to keep yourself safe because having that Pisces descendant or seventh house cusp can make you really idealistic and romantic. Having Neptune, even though it's in Capricorn in the fifth house, can make you really devotional, romantic, and idealistic. On top of that, you've got a moon in Libra. So emo, so relationship-oriented. There's this way that the reality of who you are is really split on this issue. You could call it hot and cold if you like, but it's split. A very big, strong part of you wants love and romance and connection and partnership and Disney princess style. Like, you know, we had a kiss, my foot popped up. It was romantic. We never had to get to know each other. It just started in the middle and I just knew and things moved smoothly to our marital bed or whatever. And then there's the other part of you and it's a really strong part of you. And it's, I don't want to be a fool. I don't trust anybody. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't want to do something wrong. I don't know if this person's good enough. I don't know if I'm good enough. It's a lot of guessing and second guessing and investigating and investigating and investigating. And because these two parts of you are both very strong, it's hard for you to find your place. Now, I don't want to recommend that you choose one part of your chart over another. I don't want to recommend it because it's a terrible idea and it's not realistic. It's not really possible. But I do want to say that you need a bridge. You can build a bridge between these two parts of you. But the chances that you would successfully do that in your 20s are not very high. And that's not because something's wrong with you. It's because life, girl, life, it takes a long time to come to embodiment. You're not supposed to have it all worked out in your 20s. You're just not. Even in your 30s, my friends, you're not supposed to have it all worked out in your 50s. We're constantly growing and changing and discovering ourselves and embodying ourselves in new ways and at new layers. So let's talk about the bridge. What's the bridge? This is going to be super annoying, but I'm going to, I'm going to tell it to you, my friend. The bridge between these two parts of yourself is patience. Isn't that annoying? I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. It's patience. It's recognizing that your desire to make things okay and to be safe can have you either speed up or slow things down. 
But what you really need to start with is patience with yourself. Patience with the fact that your mind will take you in directions you may not want to go. Patience with the fact that your physical and romantic impulses are just that. They're organic impulses that come from within you, and you don't need to fix them or understand them or contain them. But instead, be patient enough to tolerate being with them, to experience them, the fun parts, the stressful parts, the scary parts, all the parts. In doing that, what you can next do is find your footing, get grounded. The reason why I say get grounded is because that Pisces descendant, that Libra moon, Neptune and Uranus in the fifth, none of these things are terribly grounded. No, no, they're not. But the rest of your chart really prefers to be. Think about whether getting grounded or getting centered or getting present makes most sense to you. You know, they're very different things, but they're all pretty much synonyms of each other at the same time. So I want to encourage you to really contemplate what makes the most sense and what practices you can develop for, in very simple, uncomplicated ways, accessing your center, your grounding, this moment, just presence. Start there. And from there, allow yourself to be hopeful. Allow yourself to desire. Allow yourself to want and to like and to yearn. Virgo hates this shit. I'm so sorry. I apologize. I apologize to your Saturn in the sixth house. That also hates this shit. But what you want to be able to do is give yourself permission to be there and from that place to stay centered or grounded or present so that you don't go into Disney Princess Village where you start making up stories or making assumptions or projecting into the future or projecting onto the person you're crushed out on or the person that you're dating. Instead, to be able to stay present and pay attention to the evidence. Maybe you don't have a lot of evidence. Okay, cool. That means you don't know. You have feelings and you don't know. You might have things you want. You might have assumptions, but you don't know yet. Okay, cool. Stay with that. Be patient with that. What comes next? Invest in the evidence that you're shown. How this person makes you feel. What is actually happening? Are the two of you compatible? These are great questions to keep on returning to instead of, do they like me? Am I doing it right? Is this okay? Am I okay? The way to be okay is to spend time on the bridge between these two extreme parts of your nature. The good news is, I actually think that you're somebody who can have a long-term committed relationship if that's what you choose to have. The key for you is don't put yourself in a box or in the words of a dirty dancing something something, I'll say, no one puts baby in the corner but you. It's an ad lib. That's not really what they say in the movie. But don't put yourself in a corner. Think about what kind of a relationship structure would really work for you. Your fears may say you want to be merged and like spend all your time together and have a really conventional relationship. But the rest of you might actually need a great deal of spaciousness between contact with your new dates or even in your long-term relationships so that you can continue to remember to choose to return to yourself. Learning to return to yourself is a big lesson of Virgo. And when we have planets in Virgo, what happens is we have a lot of distractions that we convince ourselves are incredibly real that take us away from ourselves. But the practice is to learn to choose yourself and not at the expense of love, not at the expense of career or other things, but 
as a way to support those things so that you come to them from your whole self. Now, my love, before I, before I sign this off, I want to say you are not doomed. You are not doomed in love. I want to encourage you to get clearer about what it is that you want from a relationship and stop worrying so much about whether or not your chart or some astrologer or your past experiences or your weird hair day has somehow doomed you. It hasn't. It hasn't. You've got this. There are four times as many empty homes in Oakland, California, as there are people without homes. Moms for Housing is a collective of homeless and marginally housed mothers. No one should be homeless when homes are sitting empty. Housing is a human right. Moms for Housing is uniting mothers, neighbors, and friends to reclaim housing for the Oakland community from the big banks and real estate speculators. To learn more or to donate to this cause, visit momsforhousing.org. That's moms4housing.org. Or send a text to 510-800-7810 to get updates. Darlings, I want to tell you all about the week ahead. Mercury is in its retro shade. It's not yet retrograde. But by the end of this week, we're going to be in the shadow period of the retrograde. And so Mercury goes retrograde on February 16th. You don't need to worry about it quite yet. Exactly. But we're in the shade. We're in the shadow. So be spacious and gracious. I did not mean to rhyme. Be spacious and gracious around misunderstandings, miscommunications. If your phone tries to push an update on you, don't fucking do it. Don't do it. Say no. Say, my astrologer told me that's a big old waste of time. Wait until after the retrograde is over. I will, of course, speak more on the retrograde the week that it happens, which is not this week, but you know, you're going to start to feel it a little bit. And as I always like to say, retrogrades are a time for reflection and reassessing. And so, you know, might as well get a jump on it. Get to it early. Why don't you? Okay. We are looking this week at the astrology of February 2nd through the 8th. And this week actually gives us some soft pitches astrologically, and I love a soft pitch. When we see sextiles by transit, what we see is things working as they've been set up to do. In a racist, xenophobic, patriarchal system, when things work the way they're supposed to do, uh uh-oh, that's a problem. When we're looking at sextiles, when we're looking at easy, quote, easy transits or easy aspects— Things function smoothly, but doesn't mean you like what you got. In case things are funky this week and you're like, why? I want to encourage you to really ask yourself, are things going exactly as I set them up to go? Do I need to really reconsider how I've set things up in my life? What I'm doing, what I'm, what I'm consenting to, what I'm engaging with. Then the other thing is to know that when you see difficult transits, squares, sometimes conjunctions, always oppositions, it's easy to get scared. And when you see sextiles and trines, it's easy to be like, yay. But the reality is we need to have our butts kicked in order to make change. And sometimes when things are working harmoniously, it's the worst possible thing. (laughs) 
right? Whether we're talking about that in a social or political context, or we're talking about that in the context of your personal life, your relationship to yourself, your relationship to others. And so that's something to consider, and it's something to be mindful of. Also, this might just be freaking lovely for you. It might be lovely. You might have a great week, and I'm going to hold space for that. Let's be excited about an exciting week. On the 3rd of February, Venus forms a sextile to Saturn. Venus sextile to Saturn is very stabilizing. These two planets, I would say, are the most concerned with security and stability of all the planets. And when they form a harmonious aspect to each other, there can be uh, stabilizing factors that show up in your life, or you may just feel capable of looking at your finances and dealing with it, looking at your relationships and kind of doing whatever heavy lifting needs to be done, you know, really addressing things in a material way. Now, Saturn is related to the larger economy and hierarchies, patriarchy, all that kind of heavy shit. And so there may be shifts in the economy that given that it's a Venus sextile to Saturn, might be quite lovely. But again, as I said, the downside of this is systems operating as they were set up to function is not necessarily what we want to hear. You know what I'm saying? So we'll see. I'm interested in what's going to happen. I'm curious. Put it in your calendar. Let's find out. The other transit is on the 5th, and it's Mercury forming a sextile to Uranus. This is a fantastic transit. Honestly, it's great. It's great for figuring things out, being open, especially if you're a little shy. It's a good one for talking to people. If you've been like, oh, snap, I got to get online and do that dumb online dating thing. This is a good time to do it. Take the damn leap. If you've been wanting to reach out to people, talk to people, connect with people, again, this is a great time to do it. If you're thinking about creating some sort of copy, some sort of written content, that presents or represents yourself, it's actually a great transit for that because it makes you a little bit more open and it can be quite playful. The thing I really like about this transit is it's investigative and it's interested and it's curious. And you know how I like to encourage curiosity. I like it a great damn deal. Finally, we have one more transit. It's a full moon and it's happening at 11.33 p.m. Pacific time on February 8th. And it is a full moon in Leo. Now, you're probably going to see all over the Internet that the full moon is happening on February 9th. And if you're not on the West Coast of the U.S., then it may just be on the 9th. But in California, where I am, that's where it's happening. So full moons, as I always say, is when the sun and moon are exactly opposite each other to the exact minute. And that means that the sun and moon are in opposite signs as well, of course. And here we have a full moon in Leo. And full moons are always an opportunity for letting go, for release. And generally speaking, we have one full moon per year in each individual sign, although sometimes there's a double up. But here we have our full moon in Leo. This is a really powerful time for looking at your relationship to fun, to play, to passion. And to really try to be present with, are the things you're doing for fun actually fun? Are you actually having fun? Are you able to be yourself in the things that you're bringing your joyfulness or your playfulness, your creativity to? Or are you making compromises? And of those compromises, do they compromise you? Do they compromise what you believe in, your autonomy, your individuality, what actually drives you? Because during this full moon, we also have a Venus-Chiron conjunction in Aries. 
what we can expect to be happening around this time is old wounds coming up around how we relate, how we relate to others, to kind of the surface of things, how things appear, how they seem. It's a lot to do with the parts of our value system that truly don't reflect our values. Things that we've adopted from the culture, from the people around us, from our childhood that aren't true to who we are and and who we want to be. And so this full moon is a little bit tricky because it's easy to think full moon and Leo, let's just get extra. <laughs> let's just have fun. Let's talk about parties. Let's talk about, you know, sex and play. And for sure, yes, yes, let's talk about those things. These are themes that you are likely to be concerned with, whether it's having them or not having them. Yes. However, the deeper thing to consider is how you locate yourself within these things. And so I want to encourage you this full moon to be brave, to be brave enough to not abandon yourself as you step into abandon, whether that's about enjoying your body, whether that's about uh, standing up for something you believe in, whether that's about connecting with other people or making something, something creative, something dynamic, or just singing along to your favorite song. Whatever it is, I want to encourage you to be present to just be present for all of it, for the messiness. And when we when we look at Chiron, we are looking at an asteroid. It's not something I talk about on the show a great deal. But when we look at Chiron, we are looking at messiness. We are looking at old wounds. And Venus is related to our values and how we hold value in ourselves, what we care about in others, how we relate to others, how we relate to ourselves, and how we appear to others. So this is a really powerful time to pay attention to the role of pride in your life and to pay attention to the difference between getting attention and getting love because they're not equal. My loves, they're not equal. Giving attention to a topic, to a theme, to an issue is not the same as giving love to a part of your life or a part of yourself. So be on the lookout. Try to act from a place of love. Try to act from a place of love because attention can seem like care, but it isn't inherently care. If you can, take a step back from your situations, from whatever it is you're striving towards, whatever it is you're needing to unpack, and reevaluate. Really be curious and look with openness at what you've been doing, but more importantly, why? Do your motives and your actions line up? Intent and impact, as we all know, maybe we don't all know this, let me say, as we should all know, intent and impact are not the same, right? So this is a great time to really consider your impact and your intent. It's a great time to really look at Are your actions reflecting your motives? Are they reflecting your beliefs? The nice thing about this particular week astrologically is there's a lot of energy supporting this kind of reflection or introspection. Ultimately, if possible, you can put some of what you figure out to use pretty quickly this week. Unless you're dealing with something that really holds you back, I would imagine this is a good week to have a pretty quick turnaround from insight to action or insight to adjustment. So, you know, be here for it. That's all you got to do. Be here for it. Now, my loves, 
I thank you once again for joining me on Ghost of a Podcast. You know how I love to hang out with you here. I know you already know that I'm going to be in New York the week of February 12th. Uh, What you don't know is I've got stuff coming up in the Bay Area and in Seattle this spring. So I hope to see you there. You can go to my website to get more information at lovelaniato.com slash events. As always, send your questions to me at ghostofapodcast.com because you know I want to answer your questions. And if you haven't already become a patron of Ghost of a Podcast and my work in general, please do join me on Patreon. I'm at patreon.com slash Jessica Lignato. And when you join Patreon, you every month get a bonus episode of Ghost of a Podcast. It's part of my Healing Helper series. And this particular month, the bonus episode, I got to answer questions that people on Patreon expressed wanting me to answer. So you join me on Patreon, you too can get specialized uh, content. Why not? Huh? If you haven't already starred or reviewed Ghost of a Podcast, please go to iTunes or wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Give me a five-star review, a little love. And of course, I hope you have bought my book, Astrology for Real Relationships. If you haven't yet, I'm really excited for you to do so because, hey, it's good to learn about yourself, isn't it? Isn't it? It is. And I got to say, Whatever you're dealing with, my loves, whatever you're dealing with, don't demonize your feelings. Don't shut yourself down when things get tough. That's not necessary. Give yourself permission to be human, to be vulnerable, to be struggling. And don't identify with it in such a way that it becomes the only thing you give yourself permission to be. Embrace all parts of yourself. The pain, the struggle, the thriving, the joyfulness. All of it, all of it. Embrace all of yourself and it will not only be easier to live in your own skin, but it will be easier to be generous, kind, and authentic with others. That's kind of what it's all about. Every year they say the end is near, but we're still here, yeah, we're still here.